Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study the Word of God together using passages drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope it will be enjoyable for all as well as edifying for many and equipping for pastors or teachers who are preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury, Spiritual Engagement Coordinator for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Alex Mandura. Alex is a dear old friend of mine and friend of the show. We've known each other over 20 years. He is a pastor at College Wesleyan Church for a long time, my church and my pastor, but has pastored many other places as well. And uh, he's a uh, master of pastoral care and a big old heart and lover of people and a lover of the Psalms. And we've uh, shared many moments in the Psalms together. Uh, he's a dear old friend. I haven't had him on, on the show yet. Uh, I'm surprised I haven't had him. So I'm so excited for you to get to to meet him, listeners who may not know him, and get to hear his insights and hear his heart. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's our guest this week as we look at Psalm 91, particularly matched just for Alex, as you'll hear later in the show. Uh, so we're looking at Psalm 91 today, if you want to get that out and take a look. And as you're listening to the show, if you're enjoying it and you want to share it with others, just hit the uh, share button on your podcast player app of choice and pass it along to others with a text message or social media just to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. It's really, people only find out about the show through word of mouth. So anything you can do to promote the show is a big favor to us if you find that this would be a ministry that others might enjoy as well. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you can become a patron saint of the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Alex. Alex, would you be willing to read the passage for us? Absolutely. Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adler. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me, will I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and in all the ways it's expressed both prophetically words to us and as a priestly word, words that we speak to you on behalf of ourselves and others. So we ask, Lord, that these words, these words of scripture would be to us a guide today that your spirit would guide us as we follow this guide, and that, Lord, you yourself would be moving among us. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, Alex, thanks again for being on the show. Yeah. What do you notice as you read this famous psalm? What do you notice today? What stands out to you in terms of just Specific observations. What what strikes you today? I mean, just even reading through it this, I read it through a couple times, even just uh, here recently, but today, even just kind of hearing it fresh, I think the thing that stood out to me was just the the protection and the faithfulness of God to his people. Those who are trusting and leaning into God, there is this assurance of of God's 
protection. I mean, it's even one of the little footnotes on my Bible I'm reading, it just says, Assurance of God's Protection, Psalm 91. Hmm. And so... What what version was yours again today? I'm using the NRSV. Okay. Yeah. So let's look at some of those images of protection. Right out of the gate, we get shelter. What's NRSV have? Shelter. 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 And then shadow... Is that the same in yours? The next shadow line? is mine, yep. In the shadow of Shaddai lies at night. Almighty. So then we have refuge. You are my refuge, and, and what do you have? There? I have fortress. fortress. Refuge and fortress. Yeah, refuge and fortress. And then, I guess, saving from the fowler's snare. It's just the language of saving, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then this, this picture in, in verse 4 of his pinions – that's always one of those like Bible-y words. Is that – I'm trying to remember. It's a bird thing, right? It's mm-hmm. like a – what's the pinion? <laughs> I forget. Like a, more like a hawk kind of thing. Is that what it is? Yeah, is it – I'm trying to remember that is myself. It, is it the – I'm trying to remember. Well, now I just want to look it up. I think we need, <laughs> I think we need an ornithologist for this one. I know. <laughs> Wrong guest. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's look it up. Pinion. I literally have always wanted to know what this word means. Pinion. Outer part of a bird's wing, including the flight feather. So the outer parts. Okay. Go figure. Why does it just say feathers? <laughs> I don't know. Because the psalmist. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pinion. So cover you with its wings. So almost like a... The so, wings. So almost kind of like... So that image you kind of get like almost like a... Like the, this mother bird... Mm-hmm. Kind of covering, you know, the younglings kind of thing with his protection. No, that's beautiful. Oh, and it says yeah. that, yeah. And under his wings, you will find refuge. That's the con. Yeah. Why did I go look it up? Usually the parallelism will tell you. If you know what one of the parallels mean. And then the next line, another image, shield and buckler, which those are interesting because those are like not offensive, right? It's more defensive, the shield. So that mm-hmm. fits protection. And then do you have buckler or do you have something different? I have buckler. Okay. And I think that's the guy who kind of, that's, this is your, basically your sidekick. You're the one doing the fighting and it's like his faithfulness is at your side. The tools that you need. Yeah. You know, the yeah. Even going back to pinions and the wings, like even oh, that's, ahead, yeah. even that's a defense, like even that's more of a defensive thing. That's like right. it's not, there's not really an offensive image in this so far. You've got refuge, bastion, shelter, shadow. These mm-hmm. are all things that are a counter to an offensive attack. Right. Yeah, really the closest thing you get to a countermeasure would be in verse 8, the requital or the mm-hmm. – what, what do you have there in verse 8? The, the wicked. What is the wicked? Yeah, you only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. So the punishment's kind of in a passive voice implied that God's behind that. And then we get refuge again in 9. Mm-hmm. And then abode or dwelling also in nine. How does you? How does our NRSV do that? Dwelling place. I think NRSV is is a that's good. Is almost a literal. I think it's an almost. Oh, it's literal, pretty close. Literal yeah. interpretation. Well, you've been to, to to Masa, that retreat center. Yeah, and that's that's that word in the first one, refuge. Mm-hmm. It's it's ma, machsa machsa. It's like a, the same word of chutzpah. Uh-huh. The, that sound. Anyway, that's just for funsies, but I probably have pronounced that word really bad then. No, Moss is how they say it when you yeah. go there. They don't they don't put the on it. <laughs> uh no harm befall you, no affliction draw near your tent. And then you get the messengers guarding you in all your ways. Yep. And then on their palms or in their hands, they lift you up, lest your foot be bruised upon a stone. Again, it's that protection image. Again, it's not, it's not offensive. It's defensive. It's this helping, securing. Guard. Yep. yep. Guarding you. Lest your foot be bruised by a stone. Here we get our first attack. On the lion and viper you tread. Mm-hmm. You trample lion and serpent. So there's our first kind of, now you get to triumph over an enemy. Although even there, it's still metaphorical, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, it's probably, because I'm guessing... The prayer here is not mainly about wild animals. I'm sure it's some kind of metaphor, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's a call to to go out and go find a lion and a and a serpent saying, "Well, scriptures told me that I should go and 
kick your head, kick yeah. in the face, yeah, kick your teeth in. <laughs> I think there's almost this, this, there's a triumph. There's a triumph language, but the triumph language is more that comes from the strength of God being with you. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. It's really lovely how it's like, it's addressed. So it's, 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 it's not, it's not spoken in the voice of God until maybe verse 14. I think there's a big shift in 14. Mm-hmm. Some translations even put this in quotes to signal that now there's kind of a God speaking, right? Cause now it goes into the singular. So it's not saying the Lord will do this and that it says for me, he, uh, he desired and I freed him. I raise him high. He's known my name. He calls me. I answer him. Does, does NRSV make that shift? Those who love the present. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. There's okay. a little bit of that separation too, with the kind of the spacing even, but then even the way that's worded, those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name when they call to me. I will answer them. And then even verse 15 continues. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them with long life. I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Yeah. And see, this is so NRSV is an excellent translation. I love it. And I even appreciate their inclusive language because I don't believe the scripture is just talking about boys. Uh, Having said that, in order to be inclusive, sometimes NRSV makes singulars into plurals mm-hmm. and it can disrupt the sense a little bit because here it stays in this singular, yep. which I think is relevant. He desired and I freed him. I raised him high for he has known my name, which is going to be relevant. Maybe we'll get to this in our second segment in terms of the, the Christological meaning mm. of the passage, mm. but even trying to understand like, because it isn't written like, God, will you please protect me? And it's not God saying to me, I'm going to protect you. It's like this third party, which makes me think if it's a, it's a quasi even royal psalm, kind of like, mm. can't you see this being sung as the kings go out to battle? Yeah. Right? And yeah. you're saying it's, a, like a, it's almost a blessing. Yeah. God will protect you. You will not see any. He will be your refuge. Both a blessing and also an impli- implied reminder. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. Trust in the Lord who will take care of you. That's the vibe I get at least up through 13. And then you almost hear like 14 through 16 is almost this like. Promise? Not promise. Maybe promise yeah, is too strong a word. Prophecy or, or even a oracle. Mm. Like God speaks like, right? He's my, yes, response. I'm going to do this. Here's the response to yeah. this. This, yeah, these it's words. Blessing. It's kind of the divine uh, assurance or blessing or promise or prophecy. Yeah, no, I like a, that. They all just call it the divine word uh, that, that, that follows upon the blessing that's being pronounced over the king as the king goes out into battle. At least in terms of its sort of ancient and original usage, which isn't the only usage that's relevant for the interpretation of any yep. text, but especially not a psalm, because it's poetry that can find all kinds of settings, but... That's at least a, a hunch that I, I hadn't had till just today reading it with you because there's really three characters. There's you, there's the one speaking, there's you that's being spoken to, and then there's the Lord, Lord. and all the things. And then I guess the wicked <laughs> four characters. <laughs> but even the wicked really almost seem like a side character. Really? Yeah. You know, the wicked seem more like this is not necessarily part of the conversation that's taking place here. I think you're right. Cause other than the explicit reference in verse eight, the rest is all very metaphorical. It's play. It's a lot about plague, which is interesting. It's like be a good blessing to send out someone as they, you know, if, if another variant hits when by the time this show <laughs> yeah. drops a good, a good blessing to say over someone as they go out, Yep. Go out to buy groceries. Sorry, I'm being silly, but I mean it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, may this plague and pestilence not overtake you. And I can't help but think that even at the time of recording this, like people have probably prayed this prayer. Mm-hmm. People have probably declared this with the different variants, with throughout all the different things that have, have hit, you know, since 2020. And yet, and it's kind of one of those things, and depending upon the story and the person who and even how people have walked through those situations, you just kind of wonder how have they responded to this? Um, Mm. You know, for some that maybe, you know, sadly were overtaken, you know, that maybe said, well, I prayed that prayer. Um, Yeah. Or for some that 
didn't pray that prayer, they should, they're like, oh, I should have. Or for some who did pray that prayer and it did come to be, right? I mean, yeah. Anyway, it's one of those. And <laughs> hey, I don't need to take any precautions because I, I prayed Psalm 91. Yeah. Um, or to see those who do take precautions. Oh, you just don't have faith. So now we're getting into the interpretive difficulty. Yeah. Well, the passage. So we should take a break and come just, back and explore that some more. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Alex Mandura, uh, and we are looking at Psalm 91. I'll just read it afresh to have it in our ears. He who dwells in the Most High's shelter, in the shadow of Shaddai, lies at night. I say of the Lord, my refuge and bastion, my God in whom I trust. For he will save you from the fowler's snare. From the disastrous plague. With his pinion, he shelters you, and beneath his wings, you take refuge, a shield and buckler, his truth. You shall not fear from the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the plague that stalks in darkness, nor the scourge that rages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, you it will not reach. You but look with your eyes, and the wicked's requital you see. For you, the Lord is your refuge. The Most High, you have made your abode. No harm will befall you, nor no affliction draw near to your tent. For his messengers he charges for you to guard you on all your ways. On their palms they lift you up, lest your stone, your foot be bruised by a stone. On lion and viper you tread, you trample young lion and serpent. For me he desired, and I freed him. I raised him high, for he has known my name. He calls me and I answer him. I am with him in his straits. I deliver him and grant him honor. With lengths of days I shall sate him. And show him my rescue. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, so we stumbled upon a crucial interpretive difficulty at the end of our first segment, which is, are these sort of absolute promises spoken over someone? I mean, I, I, I myself have heard stories of people, you know, someone going off into war and praying this and person dying in war and feeling like divine abandonment, you know, didn't occur to me till today that in many ways they were reenacting probably the original usage of (laughs) that. It's kind of, at least in part would have fit that, that kind of setting. And so this can, these kinds of Psalms when used as sort of absolute promises can really be a big faith challenge when they don't come true. I've had conversations with people I mean, very similarly in terms of not necessarily the war aspect, but people who were in ministry serving in various contexts and, you know, were serving in places that might be a little bit more harmful, you know, where maybe not necessarily the pestilence aspect, but maybe just like that, how well received is the gospel, right? Hmm. Thinking more missionaries and, and this passage of scripture really was quoted as like, no, we're, 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 we've got this protection. And so, so even in my own pastoral work and interpreting this passage, I'm always like, yeah, but I also know of, is this an absolute promise? Like, if God is my refuge, is there a promise that nothing is going to happen to me, that no pestilence will overtake me, that that d- destruction will not come to me? That's one of those places where it's like, man, this is, this is a passage I feel like can be abused yeah. in its interpretation. I mean, I mean, we can probably get to it a little bit in this section, but it's, I mean, Satan, Satan, this is the passage of scripture <laughs> right. that Satan used to tempt Jesus, right? This is, I think Matthew, is it Matthew four? Yeah. Um, let's turn there or I'll turn there and you can keep that open. Yeah. So cross ref. Yeah. But I think, I mean, this is where I think Satan had basically in, in the temptation of Christ said to him, throw yourself from this place because scripture says he will command his angels concerning, right? He will guard you. And one of the things that, you know, so there's that abuse in scripture, you know, Christ quotes scripture back. But I think one of the things that I found very interesting in this interpretation, and maybe 
and this will be maybe for the next segment when we talk application, but using this passage, which seems very much as a defensive, you know, foundational kind of protection, seems more defensive, using it for offensive purposes. Uh, and so are we using this scripture offensively as opposed to refuge, um, basically kind of taking advantage of what it's actually supposed to be, turning that prayer, instead of it being a prayer of of defense, of refuge, of trust, turning that prayer into like, we're going to make the Lord do this because we prayed this prayer. Ooh, let's, let's kind of tag that and come back to it. Yep. I think that's a key distinction. I'm going to go ahead and read from Matthew. Actually, so we're in Luke this year in the lectionary, but I'm fine with Matthew for now. But I, I'm pretty sure the lectionary I mean, I, I'm not a lectionary fundamentalist or anything. But my hunch is this psalm is set aside for this first Sunday of Lent mm-hmm. because what I do – I mean, I'm not guessing about this, that the that the 40 days narrative – of Jesus' temptation in the desert and fasting and praying for 40 days is the gospel reading okay. for the first Sunday of Lent. So this is kind of like the psalm is selected. It's kind of funny this year we're doing the psalms on the show, but we're not always referencing. We haven't been actually up to this point. We have basically barely at all, if at all, I don't think we've made any reference to other texts that are on the lectionary for that day. Uh, so we've been jumping around because usually the Psalms are selected because they're being quoted or they, they, they have an intertextual echo with the gospel reading. Yep. And now that we're starting Lent, my hunches will be doing this every week now for Lent, <laughs> right? We'll be, lo- we'll be, we'll be playing with those connections. And then probably come summertime after Pentecost, we'll, we'll stop looking at for those connections. But I think for Lent and Easter, the connections are going to be hard to avoid the Christological. Yep. So uh, my, uh, this isn't a promise, dear listeners. This is a prediction. Hope. My prediction is that we will not go there in the first segment. You know, we'll just just hug the text for the first segment, but we'll always probably end up there. So here it is. So then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after, oh, you can almost hear these words for him. You know, these are words for him. Mm-hmm. And then hear these words from him to us when we enter our own Lenten times. Sorry, I'm already applying it. So after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah. (laughs) And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So then, as you said, the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And then now he takes this move from Jesus to quote scripture at him. These are flipped in Luke. He doesn't quote scripture till the third temptation, mm. interestingly. But if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command angels concerning you. So that is Psalm 91 verse 11 from our Psalm and On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So, oh, it's almost perfect. He leaves out the second line of verse 11. Notice that. We'll come back to that. And then Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So he quotes scripture back. And that's back to what you were saying is, is an offensive use of Psalm 91 is trying to test God. It's trying to say, if I say these magic words, then God has to act a certain way. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he moves on to the next. But it just hit me that he miss, he leaves a little bit out. What does he leave out? To guard you in all your ways. A defense. Bingo. A defense. <laughs> I never saw it. I never saw that. Yeah. So even his quotation is kind of subtly edited to make it sound more like a you know, if challenge you do this, yeah. if you do this, I will do this where it's like, there is this, like he concerning you, he will guard you. He will guard you. He will protect you. That's not you while know, you're on your way, but this is, he's trying to put you on a different path, right? The devil's trying to put you on the path of a Messiah that, that lords it over and that, you know, dominates rather than suffers the suffering servant. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, wow, I mean, that confirms your insight that it's that 
that you need to see these defensive postures. I mean, just, and, and that's, and I think that even goes into like, how do we interpret this for people like who come to us, who people who come and say like, how do I read this? How do mm. I, how do I talk through this? But it's that we have to understand that, that I think at least in the reading I'm having it today, this is a text that declares God's posture towards us, that he is like, he cares for us. He de- he wants to protect, you know, all the different, all the different images we have, the, the shelter, the shadow, the refuge, the fortress, these are all the things that, you know, the wings are kind of that covering shield buckler. These are things that are more of this protection of as you are with me, I will protect you, but it's not this, but we can't do what can be done, I guess, which is to take a piece of scripture that says we will trample this. Mm -hmm. We will, we will destroy this. This will not happen to you. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's hard because you want to do that. You want to make scripture be something more to fit maybe our own interpretation of life and circumstances. Yeah, this is this is so interesting. Let's come back to that treading in a moment, but just confirming what you're sharing there. Guard you on all your ways. The moment you introduce ways, it changes your sense of what's going on here. The angels are there to guard you on your way mm-hmm. as you're going somewhere, not as you're jumping off a cliff, not as you're testing God. Notice if you are the son of God. So it's, it's as if he's not on the way, he's testing his identity. But no, as you're on the way, which becomes a key word in the gospels, his way to Jerusalem, his way to the cross, right? Yep. And on their palms, they will lift you up lest your foot be bruised against a stone. Well, if these are in parallel, if guard you on your ways matches foot on a stone, this is about not tripping, not stumbling, to use a key term in the Gospels Mm -hmm. too, right? Cause to stumble. I mean, when does your foot get bruised on a stone? This isn't like jumping off pinnacles of towers. This is talking about walking around in a dry desert area like Israel was, right? You're not going to trip. You're not going to trip over. This is about your path you know, and staying on that path. And then all of a sudden the viper and the serpent make a ton of sense. Cause it's saying, if there happens to be a viper, you'll be able to step on its head. So again, you're not going out viper hunting. Right. So even verse 11, I mean, excuse me, even verse 13 is a defensive posture. Yeah. There's this, if they come upon you. If they come upon you, you're good. There's protection. There is this. Def- yeah. You will there's be a, able to handle it. There's a footnote here in my commentary. I, I haven't read it all. I'm just about lion. Cause lion, how do you step on a lion, right? <laughs> so let me just read this. So these noxious creatures of the wild would have been actual dangers to the wayfarer passing over rocky roads of Judah. Okay. Young lion in the second line, which follows the King James version. I guess yours probably has young lion as well. A young lion. Yep. Okay. Young lion is a, is a translator's strategy of desperation. There are five different terms in biblical Hebrew for lion. Ah, And it is safe to assume that they designated different kinds or categories of lion in an era when this animal was much more common in the countryside of Judah. So these are not big African lions, right? These think mountain lions, little little guys, right? Still dangerous. But we have no way of recovering the distinctions. And in any case, there are no synonyms for lion in English. We just have one lion, right? Although I wonder if mountain lion or coyote... That's more. I'm not saying that it's not a serious danger, but at least for North American readers, it's very hard for us not to hear when we hear lion to picture that big creature with the mane from the Sahara yep. in Africa. Yep. And that is a little misleading, not to say that God won't also protect you from such lions, although <laughs> don't go tempting fate. Uh, don't, excuse me, do not put your Lord, the God, to the <laughs> test. <laughs> I think it helps to picture this as the kinds of creatures that would that would bother you while traveling. More animals that are found more in the wilderness, right? Yeah, more, these are wilderness animals. Wilderness animals as opposed 40 to days. Yeah, so yeah. more wilderness animals as opposed to like going on safari, right? Um, right. You know, and so this is kind of like in your journey, in your ways, you're going to come upon these things, but you will be protected. But you will be protected because you are making the Lord your refuge, your strength your place of refuge, that protection. Yeah. 
Well, one last thing, unless you had one before we go to our second break. Let's take a glance at these last three verses when God now speaks. Mm. So what is it that God is looking for? Because again, if we're not going to have this be, if this is a blessing pronounced from one person to another in the presence of the Lord, and it's not a magic incantation that causes God to act, right? We should probably pay considerable attention to God's own words. What is God looking for? Mm -hmm. So 14 through 16, what do we see there? He, He says, he has desired me. Is that what you have? Those who love me. Love me works too. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. So there's the knowing the name and the love. So loving and knowing God. Relationship. And know is a... Is, is, is about intimacy, mm-hmm. that word no, in Hebrew and in the New Testament too, when it says no, it's never purely cognitive knowing. It's always relational knowing. And he calls on me and I answer him. The rest is him promising what he's going to do. Well, and be with him in his straits. It's even a little subtle there. Okay, you're blessing that he will, you know, be with. save you. And here's what I'm promised. I'm going to be with him. Be with. And- yeah. Not save from trouble. Um, well, I guess it does he, save. Does but, save. Yeah. Next. Next verse. But, I will rescue. But, yes, but is being with him even in it, right? Mm-hmm. But then also rescuing him. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it'd be worth spend time on those last couple of verses because yeah. we tend to see the first is the promise, but strictly speaking, the first is a prayer. It's a prayer, like you know, like at the end of a you know at the end of a service when you like. We always joke about like, you know, like a benediction. You ask someone to do, you, 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 I mean, this is a totally irrelevant story. I'll just tell it. Uh, <laughs> at the, I work at a university, right? And so we have like graduation yeah. and like, you know, like there's ceremonial things to do, right? And so you, and, and you want to rotate those. So you give them to different people. I don't do this. This is way above my pay grade. But you can always kind of tell like the people who have a little training in like being a pastor. Because whenever they get asked, even if that's they don't do pastoral stuff here, they just have some kind of training in that regard. Everyone, when they get asked to do a benediction, they get up and say, let us pray. And they pray. But like the pastor types, when you say give them benediction, they like look at the audience and put their hand up and like pronounce a blessing, a benediction, which is meant to be a prayer in the second person, not spoken to God on behalf of the people, which is how we normally think of prayer or intercession. Mm -hmm. That's an intercession. It, you, you turn your face and you kind of speak, may it be so that God does this to you. And I think that's how to think of this. It's a blessing. I mean, you think of those great blessings that like Jacob gives over his sons and daughters, right? May this happen. May that happen. Or I mean, the blessing that, uh, even that Jacob you- steals from his, <laughs> from his brother, right? But it's a blessing. It's a, it's words spoken over. May God do this. May God do that, right? May God bless you or may God curse you. It seems like a blessing prayer. And then it's these last three words that's kind of God's promise. So, when, I mean, this this is interpretation. Run for and it. And so, yeah. when is if we read this more from like a blessing being declared over people who fo- who are who are following after God, right? Yeah. And so, so if I, if I if you read this from that pastoral interpretation, right? If you kind of read that from this, let's say it as a blessing. So it's you could almost say like, so those of you who I'm talking to, those who love the Lord, yeah. know this, the Lord will deliver, the Lord will protect those who know him. Yes. Um, when you call to the Lord, the Lord will answer. The Lord will be with you in trouble. Yes. The Lord will be will rescue you, will honor you, and you will have long life, and the Lord will satisfy you. And show you the Lord's salvation, right? Like that, be a killer benediction. Yeah, that, Those I mean, last that, three verses, right? I, I think I'm going to use this as a benediction sometime yeah. in the future. Yeah, that'd be a but good one to memorize and really look people in the eye and speak. Like it's just this, you know, when you are in this time of like when you are in a place or situation, like where is this for? What is this passage going for? Like when you are in a situation and you you're needing assurance, you are needing. Just that, almost that validation that the Lord is near. This is such a great prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. Like, it, it's not this. It's not offensive. It's it's this. It's in. It's it's that protection. It's that comfort. It's that under the wings. There's this. There's a solace. There's this big 
breath of fresh air mm. and even just like you kind of like can just breathe that in of like ah oh, yeah the lord is with me in trouble the lord is going to rescue and honor the lord will show salvation that's great let's take a quick break and talk about how to make that comfort practical yeah And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, uh, Pastor Alex Mandura, and we are looking at Psalm 91. So in this third segment, we explore some sermon starters, although maybe when I think of the Psalms, when I think of your ministry, I don't think of... First thing I don't think of is is preaching, uh, although that's a piece of it too. I think of bedside Mm -hmm. with people who are sick, people who are... Facing death, facing the deaths of others, those who are just shut in. That's that's what I think of. I mean, when I think of 91, this is a beloved psalm for those who are in facing uh, great trials. And I've learned more about pastoral care and, and the care of those around facing death from you more than anybody else. Mm. In fact, I told Alex this story already off mic, but I feel I should tell it now. I was brainstorming guests with the producers of the show, and they were like, I should have Alex on. I'm like, duh, why have I not had Alex on? And I, and I said to them, kind of vowed, rash vow, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll look at the schedule and see when Psalm 91 comes up, because I know he loves Psalm 91 and also has a hilarious story about Psalm 91. And then I look, and I'm like, oh, it's first Sunday Lent. Oh, that's like in two weeks. Alex, quick, can we record? So I associate this psalm with Alex. Would you be willing to tell that? Just amazing yeah. story, pastoral care story. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so there was a person at the church I pastored, and I went to visit them. They're not doing well, you know, physically, and went to visit them, and they're approaching death. And so I went to them, visit them, and they they just kind of said to me, they, would you share a psalm with me? And they're like, I'm trying to remember the psalm. They're like, it's the one where um, I think it's, they go, I think it's Psalm 90. And I was not remembering quite which one was 91, but I was like, oh, yeah, I think this is the one about, like, being protected and God's going to be with you. So they said Psalm 90. So then I started reading. Do it. Just start reading. I started us. reading Psalm 90. So, again, the See context. you can remember how far you got. Oh, I don't know. I remember exactly. How far, okay. I remember how far I got. So picture, everyone, that you're, like, on your on your deathbed and your pastor's visiting you and starts reading Psalm 90. Because, again, they, they initially <laughs> said, they said like, can I have Psalm 90? But they're thinking. Anyway. So Psalm 90, <laughs> Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting, to everlasting, you are God. So far I'm thinking, okay, this is the right track. But then you turn us back to dust and say, turn back you mortals for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's passed or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning and the morning it flourishes is renewed. And the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger, by your wrath, we are overwhelmed. At this point, I'm going, this is not the right song. <laughs> and I'm reading it just a little bit further down, and I go, For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. And at that point, I just stopped. I go, Hang on a second. Are you sure you want Psalm 90? And the person just kind of goes, No, that's not the right one. I think it's Psalm 91. <laughs> And then, so then I read, so then I started to read the psalm that we've just been spending our time, you know, these last two sections on going through that. And I kind of got to the part where we're getting to like being covered with this. And I even paused. I was like, this is the right one. And they're like, yes, yeah. this is the right one. So yeah, it definitely is one of those. You got to know the right psalm um, and know where it is. But yeah, that's my, that's my funny story of the, the psalm that they may have been declaring that they want read was more about things withering. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget when you were telling me that story as you got started up until like the sort of wrathful indignation part of seven. <laughs> yeah. I was like, good for her. Like she's she's facing her death like head on. Like, yeah, I'm about to die. I want to be reminded that the Bible knows that and it's okay. And then the, then and now as I think about our discussion, especially in the second segment about how to properly interpret this psalm. It may not be an accident that these two psalms are next to each other, mm. right? Yep. Because 91 is not on its own. 91 might sound like guarantee. I mean, again, we showed how you know properly interpreted. It's a protection psalm. 
But even still, you can see how the devil can twist 91. Yeah. And Jesus gives us the proper way to take it, not as a test, but as a, as a blessing. And yet still in the canon, sitting 91 next to 90 almost kind of says, but yeah, from dust we come to dust we return. Our allotted time is 70 years, maybe 80. I think I noticed you got before that. Yeah. This person, I believe, had already passed those marks. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So uh, just to be reminded that the, the canon as a whole does not promise infinite life. Death mm. is, is part of the story. It's part of it. It's, uh, it's the last enemy to be defeated. Its sting has been removed, uh, but it has yep. not been fully defeated. Death is still with us, and God is with us even in our death. So there is a little bit of, eh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if there's a, a sermon or a lesson in there, but you could, you could preach a sermon that played 90 and 91 off of each other if you wanted. I mean, it depends on your sense of what people need to hear. Definitely something to think about. I mean, got me thinking, might make a note of that just to kind of read those two almost. Yeah. Is a through, is just through, not as a breakup, but just kind of like read that through to just kind of see like how do these go in conjunction with each other. Mutually interpret, mutually illumine. Yeah. Cause nineties just resigned that death is part of the story and still it ends with words of hope, God's grace, God's mercy. How long will you tarry? It's a wisdom Psalm. It says at the end of the first section. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our, apply our hearts to wisdom. You know, it takes time to develop wisdom mm-hmm. and there's wisdom in knowing that our days are numbered. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we can't have a kind of serpentine wisdom, a, a demonic wisdom, a satanic wisdom that says, you know, twist it, that twists twist it. it. Yeah. Yep. There's still, it's sometimes easy to be, to think that you're wiser than to look down on a Psalm 91 and the hope and consolation it gives. Mm. That's a false wisdom. True wisdom includes 91 too. So yeah, how do you console people in times of great stress in preaching in conversation in prayer? What are, what are lessons we might have from Psalm 91 for consoling those and encouraging people when they're facing really hard times? That seems what this psalm's all about. Yeah, I think for me, it's the, I think the overall, you know, the overarching promise of the Lord's presence. I think so often we want to have all of the, like, how is it carried out and how will those Mm. things be done? But just to have that, that overarching, the promise of the Lord is with you. I, you know, that's the other thing, like in, in my ministries, you know, and even the visits across the years and just being with people, like, I don't know if I can actually always say like how the Lord will rescue. Mm. I don't necessarily know how the Lord will, you know, show the being with them in trouble. I wish I knew. I wish I could, I wish I could make some of those declarative mm-hmm. promises, but just to be able to rely upon that, the, the presence and the foundational truth, which is the Lord is with you. I go back to that, you know, as we said in the last segment, I go back to it's almost that blessing that that identity of you are part of my family, as the Lord's kind of saying to, you know, to to, to his children, you are part of my family. I will be with you. Mm. I will rescue you. We don't ever necessarily always know how that looks and how that takes place, but I think that that's the comfort. That's the peace that you that's the 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 P E A C E, the peace that Hmm. is being looked for in all of this. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I've always approached it. You know, when you're sitting and you're walking with people and, you know, even you, you, you say, you say, these are all the things that, you know, you go back to that. I mean, you said it just a second ago, Corinthians, you know, quoting Corinthians of death has lost its victory. You know, death has lost its sting. Death has lost its victory. It's not victorious any longer. And so even when you look at it that way, death itself has been rescued. It's the entry point into that. And so to not avoid it, but to walk through that. And then when you we say it in that hindsight of walking through death actually is the rescue, actually is the, the salvation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Let's look at that. Middle of verse 15. With him, I am in his 
straits, his troubles, his difficult paths. With him, I am, says the Lord, in his troubles. Not after, not before, that too, but in mm-hmm. in, in those troubles. Um, so even as we face death, that promise has not been removed. Right. It applies there as well. And I love that singular there. I can't help but picture God speaking these words to Christ, hmm. you know, during his 40 days, but also as he went the way of the cross. You know, that, that could be a fun exercise as part of a, a prayer practice or in a sermon or a teaching. I mean, just hear Yahweh saying to Jesus, he desired me and I freed him. Mm-hmm. It's he, like God saying that to us about, because it's not you. He's saying to third party, like hear the father saying to us what he did for Jesus as a word of comfort and encouragement to us. He desired me and I liberated him. I raised him on high for he has known my name. He calls me and I answer him. I am with him even in his troubles. I deliver him and grant him honor. With length of days, I shall satisfy him and show him my salvation. Even as we're beginning Lent right now, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, what a declaration what a blessing that is being spoken over for people as we as we step into this season you know Mm -hmm. the lord is with you yeah yeah i love it i love it i definitely if i were teaching or preaching on this i would definitely want to share our to make those connections to matthew 4 yep and to highlight the line that the devil left out. I mean, that's just a fun exegetical insight that I think really helps us interpret both the Psalm and that story, which then fits because it's to guard you on all your ways. So that's him being with you mm-hmm. through his messengers, his angels. And I go back to too, like it's still, it's that, you know, using this as, are we using as more as defensive protection language right. as opposed to offensive and testing? Yeah. Uh, testing. So go pick a fight and God's going to, God's going to take care me. of me. Yep. Yeah, but did he send you on that? Right. And there's the piece. I think if it's that's- his fight, sure. But if not, yeah, that's good. Well, thanks so much, uh, Alex. It's just absolutely lovely to have you. So I'm doing a something funky. I don't know if I'll do this ever again. Not a promise, but a prediction. I'd like to I'd like to chant this the Psalms this Lent mm-hmm. as a way to end. Is that okay with you, yep. Alex? I know you'll have to suffer listening to me sing, but <laughs> I love these psalms so much, and they're meant to be sung and not merely to be read. So let's have this be our concluding prayer. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust. He shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter. From the deadly pestilence, he shall cover you with his pinions. You'll find refuge under his wings. His faithfulness shall be a shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of any terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, of the plague that stalks in darkness nor of the sickness that lays waste at midday. A thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, and it shall not come near you. Your eyes have only to behold, to see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your habitation, There shall now evil come to you. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your way. They shall bear you in your hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and adder, 
You shall trample the young lion and the serpent under your feet. Because he has bound me in love, therefore I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I am with him in trouble. I will rescue him and bring him to honor. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks so much for giving an hour of your time to the Lord, to the Word, to our listeners. Appreciate it a ton. Thanks to all our listeners, of course. Thanks to Todd and Eric for their production work. Can't imagine doing this show without you guys. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And thanks to all our patron saints who support the show. If you'd like to uh, do so as well, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and find ways that you can support the show. And with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.